Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast, the podcast that discusses all things around investment management and the business of running an RIA firm. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Well, I'm excited, Manish. Uh, This is a topic that uh, I think a lot of folks will enjoy listening to because certainly we have some expertise uh, far more than most in the industry. Uh, how to grow your AUM without a lot of competition. And it's really about the 403B participant management space. Um, I don't know about you, but more often than not, when, when I see an advisor, an advisor hears 403B, they run for the hills because that's what they did when they first got in the business and sat in the cafeteria and you know waited for somebody to knock it there, sit down with them and you know, give them a $50 flow. Um, this is a totally different space. So how long have you been doing this 403B stuff? Yeah, this was sort of introduced to us in the early 2000s, and um, you know we were approached by an advisor who wanted us to help manage 43B plans. And at the time, 43B plans were were sort of these non-prototype accounts where you could manage really any university, any plan, anywhere. You would just open these shell accounts at different custodians, and they would you know flow through, and you'd be able to manage it. And this was sort of a new thing where we were able to get on top of the participant level account, which which we'll sort of dive into. Um, but that started the process for us uh, in the early 2000s to start diving into this space. And, and we've learned a lot, not just from the management side, but also the back office side, which which is a whole new can of worms in terms of being able to handle that. Right. Well, I think it's good for us to start this process of conversation and explanation with, um, you know, with ultimately it's it's sort of the alphabet soup, so to speak, right? You've got 403B, 457, 401A. Um, for the purpose of this discussion, I want to set the baseline in that we're just going to say 403B. Oh, I should throw 403B7 in there too, right? We're just going to talk about 403B. All the others are included with basically everything that we say. You good with that? Yeah, it makes conce- the conversation easier. Conceptually, it's all the same. There's there's slight differences here and there, but for sure, like you know, just like a four hundred one k is different than a profit sharing plan, <laughs> et cetera. Right. For, for this for this podcast, it's just going to be four three b. Right. All right. So let's do this. Let's lay the groundwork as far as giving a little bit of, of background as to to why. I mean, that was the good news, right? We're just going to talk about four hundred three b, and it encompasses everything. But ultimately. Why are we experts? I think that's good to know, right? Before anybody listens to what we have to say, um, you know, you goodness, you've got what twenty years in the business of uh, specifically working on managing four hundred three B participant space on the advisory side, right? Um, and that was even we Potomac started before we even had Fidelity as the primary four hundred three B chassis, right? Correct. Yeah, this is something that was right. added on to the business that was never really. You know the the main bread and butter. It still isn't, um, but it's a good value add that that we've been able to provide to to advisors. Right. So uh, some another reason that I think is uh, you know, some background I think is good for everybody to know is uh, a little bit of, of my history. You know, coming into this as well. Right. You've managed the actual assets for that long. Um, I spent more than a decade running the advisory division for another broker dealer. So I've done due diligence on. I don't know, nearly 500 managers. And I only know of five or six in this space. So this is not a space that has been 
Um, you know, we talk about data mining. This is not a space that's been mined as far as there are people who need help, right? Uh, education and healthcare workers need help. They're experts in their field. They're not experts in our field. And uh, I think this is a great opportunity to, once you understand there is an avenue, to be able to help more people that need help. And, uh, you know, I can even tell you, I mean, look, I, there's only five or six managers out of those 500 that I've found that work in this space. And I've actually done business with most of them. So, yeah. Well, let's let's start with sort of let's back up a second. And, and when we dive okay. into some different points we have laid out, you know, the four three B market for one, for those who don't know, is is nonprofits. Right. And also uh, universities, hospitals, schools, et cetera. Right. And. Years ago, it was dominated and still is in some markets by insurance companies. And the schools would go out and they would allow multiple, multiple vendors to come into the space to handle uh, the participant accounts, right? And historically, it was always insurance vendors that came in. So across the country, there's a large dominance by insurance companies who are selling annuities into these 43B plan participant accounts. And what happened in 2008, roughly, is that regulations came in and they they rocked the world of the 43B participants. And essentially, what what the regulations that were led by Kraft and Fidelity is they wanted to streamline the back office of these plan administrators and make it look more like a 401k. And what I mean by that is, if you have 300 vendors and they all have their own processes for contributions and withdrawals. It, spreadsheets and checks, and they wanted to come in and standardize it. Let's get all on the same page. Let's make it electronic. And most plans followed and wanted that. There's still some that are still in the insurance age, but most of them adopted. So what we're trying to say is not only can we help get clients out of these more illiquid annuity, and we won't get into the the rationale of an annuity inside of a retirement account. That's a whole other uh, rant. Uh, but we have the ability as advisors to help clients get out of that into a more liquid uh, where they increase their choices, right? Because we want we're all about free market and giving clients the the choice. So by by getting out of that and getting to a fidelity or a Cref or a Vanguard, um, you you have those those choices available, and then they can they can add any management they want at that point. Right. Now that's that's good stuff, and and ultimately there are. There are a number of things that we want to accomplish in this. Um, you know, we want there's some myths that we want to break, right? Some real common myths. Uh, we want to give you a little bit of the history. So this is which is what you were just doing. Um, we want to compare some of these different scenarios and and what this really means. And obviously, we're going to also hit you know how to how to do how to do some marketing, right? How do you how do you approach this space and, and what really ultimately, right? It's all about helping clients who need help. And what does that mean, right? What is your value proposition? Why are, is what you're offering better than what they could get when they just walk up at the cafeteria and sit down in front of somebody and you know and, and and sign wanna, up with whatever and, and program is your? And I do want to stop you right there because this is it's an important point you just made. Like for some reason, advisors across the country, you know, the the public has a low perception of advisors, and maybe rightfully mm -hmm. so for for the the brokers that are out there that are that are selling certain products. But this is one of those opportunities where you can literally help someone who is in dire need of help, education, and also make money. And 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 mm -hmm. it shouldn't be demonized to make money. We 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 all run businesses. We have families and employees to feed. And this is an opportunity to do both. 
And, and it doesn't come across very often where you have that ability to truly help someone that, that's not getting it anywhere else. Uh, there's very few people in this space that have the ability to help. And so, look, we have notes because and I'm sitting down for the first time in eight <laughs> episodes because it's going to be a lot of information. So let's let's run through these, like you said, and, and really lay that groundwork. And then we'll we'll sort of conclude from there. Yeah. And and I think last uh, the last point I want to make about this is not um, is if you haven't figured out already uh, or you were concerned about it, it might be equally as important. We're not going to talk about Potomac portfolios. We're not going to talk about how we manage money. This is not a Potomac sales pitch. This is helping those advisors who watch this video understand more about what I talk about every single day. An hour ago, I was on a, a webinar doing this exact same thing. So, you know, it's it's really about education and that's the focus here. So let's talk about some of these myths. Um, I'm going to ask the question and you give a little bit of an answer. Uh, I think these are, are pretty, pretty straightforward, but uh, do you have to be approved by the plan in order to be able to manage this 403B participant account? No. Isn't that easy? Yeah. <laughs> and and it, right now, every every uh, advisor or rep who's ever started in this business and done anything with 403Bs is scratching their head. Going, what? 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 Yeah. I, my firm doesn't have to be approved. I don't have to be approved. Well, then how can I have access to the plan? You don't. You have access to the participant. We have access to the participant through the Fidelity chassis. Yeah, and, and that just so to make do that those clear, other managers that I talked about. Yeah, so payroll slot wise, in the past, they would always have to be right. an advisor being assigned to a payroll slot. Fidelity is the, for lack of a better word, I guess the payroll slot provider, uh, and Potomac is the money manager who has gone through a, a review process with Fidelity to be an approved money manager on those plans. So the actual right. advisor out there in the field, to your point does not specifically have to be approved by the plan. And the plan doesn't even know who that advisor is, and they're okay with it, right? They're just allowing advisors access to the participants to help them. Well, and not only that, the plan administrator doesn't know us either, and they don't want to, right? It's the very same reason that after the Great Recession, we saw a whole lot more plans add uh, some iteration of self-directed. Fidelity calls it brokerage link. Right. Because ultimately, when there's, you know, 20 funds available for a participant to choose from and then calamity hits and they say, well, I couldn't make money because or I lost money because, you know, a certain fund wasn't available. Gold bugs. Uh, raise your hand. Um, now, all of a sudden, the brokerage link is available. Right. Well, that opens up the door in many cases for us to be able to do what we normally do again as other managers as well. But there just aren't many. Yep. Well, let's so, stay on let's, point before we start getting. Yeah, let's let's go on another one. So the 403B is hard to break into. This this participant market, I should be more specific. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it it's just like anything else. It's it's this is the biggest hurdle people have to get over. It's no different than any other market. It's it's literally the same as going after a taxable account or an IRA account. You're, you're just talking to participants, and you may have you know access to those through centers of influence, or you're already in your book of business. You know, it's it's not difficult to break into. It's just perception that it's you know that it is difficult, but it's really not. Yeah, and one of the things I like is the fact that it can be a one-off, right? It doesn't mean that you suddenly have to to you know spend a hundred percent of your time trying to break into this market. You may have you know ten different contacts, clients that you're already giving free advice to on an account that now you might actually be able to have managed and, and earn a, a, a more for your business. Um, but 
you then get a referral to somebody else who's at a hospital that you don't know anyone at. And you may be able to actually do the same thing with that one client. Yeah, Not just, that you're going to start marketing there, but it's that one off and you can do that in this space. It's an avenue. Yep. All right. So another one. Um, I can't get paid on 403B accounts. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, at, at the participant level, the the way it's set up is it's it's a managed account. Back to what I was saying before, it's no different than any other account you have. Uh, you provide the the management, the investment management through Potomac and get paid as as the advisor and the solicitor in this matter. And so it's it's no different than the yeah. business you're doing now if you do advisory business. Yeah. And that really encompasses the last one, which we'll touch on again in a little bit. I, I know I, I likely will, which is I have to sit in a cafeteria and wait for a $60 flow. Look, that's not the case. Um, you know, this is all about uh, and I, I often refer, you know, you're, those that are listening are typically small business owners, right? Advisors are independent. They own their own small business. And anytime you own a business, if you look at you know, the liability versus the compensation, you scratch your head when you f think about the traditional manner of 403B business. In this particular case, right, we're trying to help clients, but our liability and our compensation now match because we're doing it on the advisory side. And so, you know, that compensation is based on the entire account value. And that's what the client wants help with. They don't want help with their next contribution. They want help with the whole account balance. And that's where we're going with this. So let's, let's move on with this uh, process. You talked about some of the regulation changes and so forth. I think it's good to understand, uh, and this was part of a conversation earlier, what choices do clients have when they're working in this case, because we're, we're sort of picking on fidelity, uh, because that's the chassis that we are, are most familiar with. Um, you know, what choices do they have if they had a fidelity account? Well, without dealing with us, right? They, they typically have tier one, which is target date funds. Um, that's again, as you said earlier, that's a whole nother rant. Tier two would be passive and active funds, right? The, depending upon the plan, they might have 10 or 20 different passive and active funds to choose from. But again, the client is still having to make that decision. Uh, there may be a tier three, uh, typically brokerage link. More and more of these plans are getting brokerage link, which is a self-directed piece. And if you, if you take a step back, once I've explained that, I think this is important. An individual participant, before they ever decide what investment they're going to use for their retirement account, they have to choose a vendor. Clients don't understand the difference between 12 different vendors, or we have a lot of business in California, K through 12. What, 44 vendors, I think, is the last time uh, it's, <laughs> that it's, we checked? Uh, no, it's upwards, it's, insane. Of, it's upwards of 200, actually. Oh, geez. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, so think about that. Before they can ever make a decision, they have to decide a vendor, not realizing that that vendor choice controls what they can actually invest in. And then they have to make their re do their research, make their investments. And then likewise, as the count goes on, they have to rebalance or reallocate or make adjustments. What we're talking about in this situation is the ability to remove all of that from the participant's shoulders. Now, the traditional 403B market, that doesn't happen because there are regulations against a representative giving specific advice and a representative can't go in and manage the account. So it's really an eye opening that once the light bulb clicks for people, it's really amazing to watch how excited they get at the fact that, oh, wait a second here. I can, I really got a, a heck of a value proposition to bring to these participants, some of which are my clients, some of which I know, but I've just never, you know, sort of dug in deeper because I knew their biggest account was something that I couldn't really do much with or help them with. So, well, I mean, <laughs> Even if you do nothing more than get them to a Fidelity, a Vanguard, a place where they have the ability 
to choose whatever investments they want, the freedom, the flexibility. There, there's no annuity riders and withdrawal fees. It's it's just give them the ability to get to that place. Even if they never use you, it's still a positive to give them that choice. And if they want to go out and manage it themselves and buy passive funds, let them make that choice on their own. But if when the plan forces you or, or lack of education forces you to pick one provider, they have three funds that are all wrapped up in annuity, you know, it's... It, it, once again, I'm not trying to you know rail on annuities. It just limits their ability to make any choices at that point. And we've always been proponents of put people in the spot where they can make a choice, educate them on the choices, and then let them decide what the hell they want to do with their money. Um, and and so yeah. this 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 first step, at least you know, and and I think we're making a positive difference uh, by allowing and educating people like move it over to these options, even if you never add management. It gives you the ability to, like I said, have those right. choices. And I think that's huge. Right. And there are two really great things that in, involve the 403B space that I, I want to make sure we hit on. You know, one is um, the 15-year rule, right? Which we're not going to go into a whole bunch, but I think it is valid when you, or important when you think about the fact that, of course, you know, people can contribute a lot to these 403Bs. They often get matching. And in fact, more of the 403Bs, I think, kept the matching in place than did 401Ks through the Great Recession till now. Um, but you also end up with multiple plans, right? A 403B, a 457, whatever. We're, again, we're kind of skip over that. But they can have multiple plans they can do these large contributions to if they have the income. But the 15-year rule is really a catch-up scenario. So there are some guidelines. If you haven't contributed a certain amount over a period of time, then all of a sudden you can bump up and put in an extra 15 grand to just play catch up. Yeah, the, just the contribution from the 6000. Yeah, the contributions yeah. are almost double the 401k just on the standard right. stuff. I think it's up to like 55,000. But once again, you know, it the, the plan the plans vary, you know, so depends it, on the plan yeah, for it, sure. It, that's our answer for all that. It depends on the plan. So, <laughs> you know, that's something where you got to, you know, talk to talk to HR or or an advisor that can add value by by knowing that plan. Right. But well, this is this is one of the great things when you give, uh, you know, when you go through this process, right? We work with the custodian; they give us those details so that we know what's what's going on. Um, but the other one is a lot of people don't realize that RMDs are effectively skipped if a client, let's say a professor, uh, that was the case today. We were talking to a professor that uh, was, you know, like sixty five years old and and still working and didn't want to uh, didn't want to kind of give that up. Well, in a four hundred three b, the RMD could be skipped, right? If they're still working. That's not the case with an IRA. So if you already have this client and you already have them managed, they're comfortable with the process. Number one, you're getting to it before the retirement plan uh, time, but also it's managed and there's no RMD. So it's a benefit to the client to keep it there in that scenario rather than, you know, what typically happens is, oh, well, we got to get it out and get it to an IRA so that we can get it managed. I can be compensated. We can do other things with it. Right. I mean, it, it goes hand in hand. You're running a small business. You have to make sure that you keep the lights on. So uh, there's just a couple of little thoughts there that I wanted to make sure that we we inputted. So uh, we actually talked a little bit about the payroll slots. Um and the compensation and liability. So we're going to, we talked about that a little ahead of time. So we're going to move over that. Um, let's start into this process of how you market into the 403B space. Uh, how do we grow? Manish, you want to discuss that a little bit? Yeah. Um, which uh, which part are we talking about here in, in terms of uh, advisors getting out there? Yeah. I mean, this is uh, essentially section four. So 
you know, it's starting to discuss the process and the experience. I mean, we, we start with a statement, you know, how do we, how do we go about, you know, what is this process? Yeah. How, how much different is it than an IRA? Well, signing up versus growing are, you know, obviously two different things, but for us, the process starts with, you know, an advisor who has uh, uh, participants that in his book of business, you know, it, it's to go out. One of the things that I need to make sure that it's clear is even though the plan encourages through the through the bylaws that advisors are allowed, they do not want it to turn into a circus. You are not setting up <laughs> shop on a local campus, handing out flyers. And we've had this happen when we've heard stories about advisors who have had plans get shut down because it, they're, they're too sort of overzealous and, and going in there. This is, they, they don't want to turn it into a, a circus show. And, and so how you go about going, getting business, number one is looking through your book of business and seeing what opportunities are around. Things that you've ignored historically in the past because you weren't able to manage it. So if you're near a local university, if you're near a local hospital, the process starts with going through your book of business and trying to ascertain if you have any contacts in there. And then starting to spread the word, obviously, through through your marketing that you are an expert and can help in, in that field. That's first and foremost to, to get situated. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, yeah. No putting flyers under windshield wipers. That is not an option. <laughs> All right. So as we move on, I think uh, uh, some good clarity is what is the client experience and the advisor experience? How does that differ from, let's say, doing an IRA with a third party manager? So I'm going to touch on that. Ultimately, the major difference or the only difference is getting that client statement first, because that is the keys for us and other managers to be able to work with Fidelity and find out what options are available on the plan and get the appropriate documentation to redirect or move the money within the plan to Fidelity, redirect contributions, those sorts of things, and then move on from there. We provide that to you and your staff. And then at that stage, it becomes just like an IRA experience. Right. You've hired a third party manager. They're doing the billing, trading and reporting. They're sending those monies off to uh, either your your own RIA or your broker dealer, corporate RIA, that sort of thing on your behalf. And, you know, you're getting paid once a quarter. Um, that experience is great. So I think it's a valuable as well. I want to touch on this. I said it once before, but these this is the value proposition you're bringing to the table for these participants. They do not have to choose a vendor. You're helping them with that. They do not have to choose an individual tier within that vendor, what options are available. They do not have to do any research on their investments. They don't have to choose an investment. They don't have to rebalance, reallocate, or adjust based on market conditions or their own life experience. All those things are taken care of in this format, whether you're using us or some other manager. And I just think there's a huge value there because let's face it, the number one reason that the people go to a professional like those that are listening is the fact that they don't have time to do that, right? They want to spend time with their family. They want to do their work. They want to do their study, whatever, and, and move on and let their retirement investments be handled by a professional. And that's what they, most clients, when you say, well, it's handled by a professional, that's what they think they mean. They're not going to have to do that work. So uh, I think that's that's pretty valuable. Yeah, it's we so, always say that you're you're handing you you know the client the participant has the keys to the car and and they're just handing right. it to an advisor to sort of to guide them. But yeah, right. becoming become an expert on the plan is is you know it's not necessary, but it's it's obviously helpful, right? right? I mean, and and a lot of this is public information, and and it's just simply understanding what vendors are out there, how certain things work on the plan because they're all different. 
um, and and trying to add value just by understanding your your options. Right. So as we we go through this process, so the first step being the different, the only really different step is is getting that statement. Um, I, I think it is good to understand we, we've got hospitals, right? We've got education, that's K through 12, as well as higher education, you know, universities, four year, two year, et cetera. Um, you know, some universities have a separate physicians group, right? A physicians part of the university, and that often has a separate plan, but also some police, fire, et cetera, uh, are also, and nonprofits are also in this mix. So there's a pretty broad um, spectrum of groups that you can look to as potential candidates for this this type of management. Well, let's, let's ultimately back, back to, you know, we, we started talking about how, how to grow, right? That's always the question we right. get. Fine. I'm, I'm next to the, the University of Miami. I got a couple clients. Now what? Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what I was mentioning earlier, going through your book of business, number one, number two is learning the plan and, and learning the ins and outs of the plan, which we have helped with where we can do some of the research, come up with some marketing materials, educational materials that help with the plan. And the rest of it, it really comes down to the advisor and how, how willing they are to sort of go after it, whether it's seminars or, or educational seminars or, or whatever they want to do to sort of penetrate that market. But to tie it all back, it's really no different than any other of the marketing that they're doing, right? It's, and right. We, we get that question a lot because of the old mentality of the payroll slots. People think that they just get handed these list of names and all of a sudden they're the advisor and it's just, just not how it works. Right. And and likewise, uh, I saw a university today that listed all of their uh, employees with all of the phone numbers and email, right, on the website. Well, you know, the reality well, is you don't on, want to start. Yeah, yeah, you don't. I mean, from a plan perspective, that's, yeah, scratch that. You're not... You're not going to start calling right. and emailing them at work. Right. Yeah. Don't don't start hounding them because that's the first method to have people complain and then, you know, get the the plan shut down. But uh, ultimately, it's it's all about first getting the low-hanging fruit, right? Those actual clients that you're probably giving free advice to at this stage. Let's see if those are eligible. If so, get them on deck, right? Low-hanging fruit. Um, the next is let's look at the area that, that they are with. Are there referrals, right? You've been doing this for years. Most of the people watching or listening, right, have been doing this for years. You ask for referrals in whatever method you're comfortable with. But we never, I never, ever say there's some silver bullet to marketing in this space. What it is, is do what you do best. If you do seminars, do seminar. If you do, you know, client events with, uh, you know, cooking events, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, do that. Get the people, the well, low-hanging fruit that you uh, made clients and the then bottom, bring some more. The, the bottom line is this. I mean, it, no matter what you do, it all starts with if you're able to educate that client on their plan, what their options are, because there there's no one doing that. So if you have right. the, if you if you educate them through whatever means necessary, like you said, if it's a seminar or if you want to create a white paper, uh, we've done different white papers and PDFs that literally just go through the plan options, and right. if and what what they can and can't do, and and if you can become that expert in that plan and guide folks, that that's it. That's the key is to just educate them on what's available to them and and how to go about making those choices and let them decide right. at that point. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of options. I mean, for those that have done good business with us, we've done flyers for the local, for, you know, for the online portal or the local university paper or, or whatever iteration that might be appropriate. We've done landing pages, which we sent out as a sample recently uh, to some folks you know, with, a, you know, uh, one of the universities that we did, right? It laid out to educate about the plan. Um, so there are a lot of options. It's just a matter of what 
your own niche, your own clientele, your own experience is. Some people are only uh, comfortable with, you know, the physical face-to-face stuff. So that's the way you're going to market. Great. Um, you know, we help advisors that are working with us like that. But, you know, again, there's no silver bullet. It's not like, oh, well, it's got to be Facebook marketing or it's just not going to work. Uh, a lot of advisors are terrified, I think, that they're going to have to do social media marketing to get at this. And that's not the case either. It works well, but it's not the end all be all. You got to yeah, do what gonna, you're comfortable we're not, with. We're not going to get into that right it's now. It's a confidence game. So yep. uh, on that note, right, uh, I think ultimately we are trying to help clients who need help. Right. That's the end game here. If we can make some money while we're at it, that's great. Obviously, it's a new revenue stream. Most firms and advisors don't know that this is eligible. And ultimately, the experience, this is what shouldn't be scary. It's not any different than an IRA. You're hiring a third-party manager to go bill, report, and trade. And the client experience is yours. Do a financial plan, manage their other assets, do whatever. But you suddenly are not stuck with an account that you're giving free advice to, but yet you have a liability. Yeah. And frankly, a lot of times we've seen it come across our desk where advisors are, are actually giving advice slash trading on these accounts, which is an absolute no-no. You know, there's yeah. no contract, there's no suitability. They're just telling their clients what to do. And, you know, that that that's just not how this business should be run. You know, either either right. you're responsible and you're a fiduciary and you're managing the assets according to their risk profile or you're not. So this, like you said, the the liability uh, is is high on this where you can, you know, hire a third party money manager to come in and, and do that. So all right. Well let's let's sort of let's go ahead. You got something? No, I was gonna say I think that we've pretty well knocked this sucker out. Uh, yeah, you know, let's this is I, just a good, to summarize. Heck, just summarize. Point. Yeah, just to summarize. Listen, there's 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 universities, hospitals, there's four three B plans across the country where clients are desperate for help. We have the ability through working with our advisor partners across the country to manage those assets. And it just starts with with a conversation with yourself and and to figure out if the plan's available, if there's advisor access, if there's fee deduction. There's certain things that we have to check if the availability is there. And then there's a process we go through. And so, you know, once again, it, it really comes down to starting the first step in the process is client statement, let us do the research yep. and seeing if it's available. If it's available, you know, we can start the next 10 steps. If it's not, then then it's not. You know, that's something that has to go back to the client to push HR or whatnot. Right. And a question that I had today, do we work with RAAs? Well, yeah, we absolutely work with RAA, you know, independent RAAs. Uh, and likewise, we have a lot of broker-dealer relationships. So look, the, the, the gamut is open. We'll help if we can. All it takes is a conversation. So give us a call or, you know, shoot us an email, whatever, right? I mean, uh, essentially, my uh, our phone number is 888-768-6622. And my email address, all that jazz is uh, is included there, but it's jeff at potomacfund.com. I mean, we're here to educate and help. And that was the purpose of this uh, podcast. Hopefully, you all uh, feel a little bit wiser about this, wait, circum- wait, this uh, wait. situation. What? Your email is jeff at potomacfund.com. Did I just say that? I sure snot did, didn't I? You know, this is a public <laughs> YouTube video that you just put your email out on. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, you know, like anything, we don't uh, we don't cut things just out. Just go, go to the contact right? us page and, and enter, enter your stuff yeah, there. there. You or you can that email even... us at info at potomacfund.com. <laughs> but don't send an uh, email look. to Jeff at Potomac Fund because it's not going anywhere. No, no that won't work. I, uh, maybe I'm, nice, I'm, nice I'm too suit, busy thinking about my chiefs. I'm, yeah. I'm so busy thinking about my chiefs that, uh, you know, I got, got sidetracked. They you do know, play we tonight, have a business... Dress code here at Potomac that you're violating right yeah. now. 
<laughs> well, hey, like any any newscast, wait, right? Wait, you never wait. know what do, what's do on the Do we have any recommendations? Are we going to skip that for this uh, one? Sh- sure. No, I've got a recommendation for you. And this is a this is one that I didn't have until last night. So I I changed what I was going to recommend. If you like documentaries, this is an oddball for sure. But on Prime, you can watch The Amazing Jonathan. Now, I'd seen this. He's a magician. I've seen him in the past, right, when I was younger. Um, and I won't bore you with all those details. But ultimately, um, it, it is a documentary unlike I've never seen before. It, you're just not sure what direction it's going to go. It's kind of a cluster, you know, a train wreck, if you will. And <laughs> let's Wait, face what, it, I mean, train wrecks we all want to watch. What is it about? It's about so it, it basically starts with the amazing Jonathan. He's a magician, and he's about to. He's apparently got a diagnosis. He's only going to live a year. Okay. Except that it's four years later, and it turns out not. I don't want to ruin the story. There, right, there is right. one person that starts documenting it. Okay. And then okay, it goes from there. I got. It's just I it's, got one. I got an a hour good and one. a half. Yeah, it's an hour and a half. It's it's worth it if you like documentaries. If you don't, you probably won't. I won't watch like it. it. I got yeah. one called American Factory um, on Netflix. It's about a Chinese company that took over a GM plant that went out of business to sell uh, Fu Yao glass. To, they sell like glass uh, front glass enclosures for cars and whatnot. Um, and it's it's actually very telling because of how efficient the Chinese workers are. And then they come here and they're, the management just can't get Americans to uh, be efficient to, you know, and here's the, the one telling scene on one side, they're over there, they're standing up straight, they're addressing their boss, they're ready to go to work. And then they switched over to the American side who's complaining about the lack of tables in the cafeteria. They want to unionize, you know, they want more time off and all this stuff. And that it's it's such an eye-open documentary. If you think right now the way we're set up that Americans can produce the products that the Chinese are kicking out, you've lost your mind. So before yeah. before we start pissing them off too much, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we we might want to get start making some shit ourselves in this country. So I thought because right. of the trade war and everything, it's uh, that sounds good. It's, a so good it's called one. American Factory. American Factory on Netflix. It just came American, out, I right. think, a couple weeks ago. All right. Good. All right. Well, on that note, uh, as Manish mentioned earlier, contact us on our contact us page um, and uh, look, make a comment, share, subscribe, whatever. We appreciate it. Certainly. We're just trying to pass on more education about more things in the RAA space. And in this case, it's a special edition about 403B participant management. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.